In our constant pursuit to build a better life for ourselves and our loved ones, we often forget that for there to be a life, there has to be someone healthy enough to live it. Grinding and hustling can only be so good if it's coupled with taking care of our own well-being. Today, here at Courtyard by Marriott Iliilo, we'll talk about the importance of taking care of oneself, physically and mentally. Let's talk about ensuring that in building our better lives, we don't destroy ourselves. My name is Elsed, and it's time again to wake up and smell the coffee. Let's get you coffeinated. In his journey to make the world a happier and healthier place, Dr. Mitsurafia has always tried to help wherever he could. Whether it was founding Project Kaleidoscope, an award-winning mental health program to now establishing WellBe, an organization that provides human-centered solutions dedicated to workforce well-being, Doc Mitz has taken every opportunity to make a smile on the inside. So the doctor is in. Doc Mitz, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you, Elsid, for the invitation. Um, it's an honor to be interviewed by you. Okay. okay. <laughs> so tell us a bit about your background. What put you on this path into making the world a happier and healthier place? Okay, so um, I'm Mitz. Hello, everyone. I'm a doctor of medicine. I'm currently uh, pursuing residency training in psychiatry at the West Visayas State University Medical Center. I'm also the co-founder of a startup called WellBe. So uh, it's your partner for workplace well-being. Um, so the path which led me to, to this you know, um, started off when I was a kid, when I realized that uh, I wanted to become a doctor, so I'm not really sure if that's a, actually a personal realization or from the brainwashing of my <laughs> parents, because in the family there's no doctor yet, so I'm a first-generation doctor. And then so when I um, became a full-fledged doctor, uh, it's where I realized that I can actually make use of my knowledge and strengths to making this world a better and happier place. So. Um, We've always as, as, ascribed for um, happiness, right? And yet, we don't know how to get there. Personally, if you ask me before, if, I, if I'm a happy person, I would answer you, I, I don't know. And I don't know how to get there. So this question actually pushed me to learn about um, tricks and the tricks about you know, being happy, the science of happiness. And then um, from an advocacy standpoint, uh, this is where I found my niche. So I, during med school and after that, I've been doing a lot of advocacies on mental health. So a lot of people have many misunderstandings or misconceptions about happiness. So what truly is happiness, right? How do we get there and what does it really mean if we are happy? Okay, um, Sid, if I'm going to answer you in a technical sense, um, that's hard because there actually, there's actually no universal definition of happiness. So it could vary from one person to another. But for me personally, uh, being happy um, is being in a state where, you th where I am in my full potential, where I can be of service to others, and where... Um, my values and strengths are in line are in, and are in place. So happiness is subjective. Yes, It's definitely. different for every person. 
So that's why when you look for uh, a mental health practitioner, their methods must be tailor fit to the person. It can't just be a one size fits all kind of thing. Yes, uh, precisely, because mental health looks at different aspects of the person. So each person is unique, right? So you have your own uh, failures, setbacks, aspirations in life. And um, all these taken together, that makes up the person, uh, who, who is that person. And so we must tailor our approach based on, uh, on that understanding. But for a lot of people, mental health isn't really something of a priority. It's not important to them. Why should it be? So I'll just give you a background of why that is the status quo. Um, it's because mental health has been stigmatized. So a lot of people, when we talk about mental health, what comes really to mind is a person who is violent, a person in the streets, mm, yes. uh, a vagabond. Um, but really, when we talk about mental health, it's about achieving your own potential, being a contribution to society, being productive in the different dimensions of your life. So mental health is important, Sid, because there is no health without mental health. Okay? You can't uh, go to the doctor to seek consult for a backache or a, or a heartache if your mind is not healthy. Right? You can't eat right. You can't exercise if your mind is not healthy. So the importance has to be placed on mental health now, now more than ever because of the, the, the huge transition that we're into now with the pandemic happening. Okay. So a lot of people think like uh, mental health is just uh, a rich man's problem, right? A lot of, like you're, you shouldn't be minding it unless you're rich. You only notice depression when you're rich, right? Now, the problem with a lot of this is that uh, they don't understand that there are actually physical manifestations uh, with mental health issues. I am I correct in saying that? Yes. Um, the reason why people who are, you know, better well-off can recognize uh, mental health problems is that they don't have other things to worry about. Uh, so... Unlike a, a person who's poor, who's just living off by the day, um, he has to be really resilient and to, you know, uh, exude that personal strength and would tend to avoid whatever's bothering him in his mind. Uh, but that is dangerous because if you um, don't, uh, if you don't give attention to your mental health, your physical health will also suffer. Start to deteriorate. It will start to deteriorate. It's like, uh, it's like uh, when you don't diagnose something. Like for me, for example, I once injured my knee. Yes. And it went undiagnosed. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just sleep on it and rest it for a while. Then after a long time, I started playing basketball again. And then it was, it, I, I had some intense pain that I couldn't, I had to give up basketball for a long time. And then when I got an MRI, it turned out that my kneecap was already twisting to the side. It was, they called it chondromalacia. But it was so far off to the side that it hurt so much just when I was going down the stairs or walking up the stairs, not even playing basketball. So just because it went undiagnosed doesn't mean that it's not a problem. And it, the only thing for the richer or the more fortunate brothers and sisters that we have is that they can have it diagnosed. Yes. And 
even the poor people have it. The less fortunate have that problem. It's only that they ne don't recognize it. They just try to put it to the side because they never have the resources to get diagnosed. Yes. In fact, actually, poor socioeconomic status is a risk factor for mental health problems. Mm. Okay, because when you're, when you're poor, you experience a lot of problems early in life. Mm. And th these formative years are very crucial in, in the development of, of a person. So I actually know of a friend who's um, uh, a doctor as well. And I, I see him before as this strong, resilient person. And he actually said so himself, that he thought he's strong and all that. But with all the things that's been happening in his life now, suddenly one day he just got up and then became fearful of going back to work and then showed signs of anxiety. And then he was diagnosed with anxiety disorder. So can you imagine that person who's, you know, all these years has been really strong and then one, one day, probably because he's been ignoring all the signs before, one day he just turned up like that. Actually, Anthony Bourdain, right? Anthony Bourdain uh, went to a lot of places all over the world, the most beautiful places. He ate food with the most amazing people and had what others would call a very interesting, uh, uh, engaging, and purposeful life. But he still uh, ended up taking his own life. So what people don't understand is it's not that moment where he took his life where he had a problem. Yes. It's not that one thing. It's a battle of attrition. So when Kobe tore his Achilles, uh, Kobe may he also rest in peace, when he tore his Achilles, it wasn't that one move that snapped. It was the years that, and the stress on the body that then broke it down. So when people actually break down and start manifesting the real-world symptoms, it's actually been there underneath the surface for a long time. So it's always it's important, right, yes. to get yourself checked out at the very least. What you're actually saying to me makes sense a lot. And that's, that talks about like the physical body's wear and tear, not the natural phenomenon of wear and tear. And some of it, some signs of that are obvious. And that's why um, people, like for example, you can notice it or your loved ones can notice it. And then they can just ask you or you, you, you subject yourself for treatment or for therapy or for counseling. But um, when the mind wears and tears, the signs can be invisible. And that's the reason why uh, a lot of people don't seek care when, when actually they need it the most. All right. So this pandemic, for example, right, is, it's not only affected the tangible things, you know, the things that everybody sees, like the economy, uh, the actual healthcare systems, in the Philippines or all over the world, it's also the intangible and invisible parts like how we think and feel. Yes. So at the beginning of the pandemic or even until now, suicide cases have risen. So why is mental health even more important now? And why do you think suicide cases have risen during this pandemic? Okay, just to give you some context. Um, in 2015, there was a survey done about the stress levels of Filipinos, and it's at 73%. Uh, late, uh, just recently, in 2020, it rose to 
So that 10% uh, spike can be attributed to the effects of the pandemic. Okay, so um, the reason why there's a, you know, there's a increasing number of suicide cases in the country is that um, the pandemic has actually exacerbated whatever the social ills that we're experiencing So these now. were underlying conditions before? Yes, there were already underlying conditions, which were made uh, more severe by the pandemic. One, one of them is access to healthcare. So because of the physical restrictions, people don't go to the hospitals or to the clinics. Second is the feeling of isolation. So because, um, of, again, the, the social restrictions, we're not allowed to go out and meet with friends and to conf- or to confide with, with people. Um, although there's presence of technology to aid us with that, it's kind of different. There's a certain disconnect using technology as a means of communication. You can't, be, you can't sound really empathetic towards a person with, with, with the use of technology because that uh, takes into to, takes out in the equation your nonverbal your nonverbal gestures. So aside from you know lack of access and isolation, uh, of course the fear of getting the virus, the uncertainty, there, the uncertainty, and then a lot of people have been laid off right because of the pandemic, and that's a, a huge stress. Among our employees. So it's a multitude of factors that were compounded on an already dangerous exactly. situation. Exactly. So that's why it's now imploding and becoming more and more. Yes. Uh, so the work should have been done prior to the pandemic because there were already underlying factors. Okay. I understand that much better now. Now, uh, just to shift gears a little bit here, there's a little segment that we started since the last episode where I show our guests, the uh, photos from their social media. Okay. They're supposed to provide more stories and context okay. to the photos that we're about to see. Now, this is a little interesting. <laughs> I hope it's not embarrassing, Sid. <laughs> well, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> so, the first photo, the first photo that uh, uh, we're gonna go through is this one. Tell us a little bit more about this Oh, photo. okay. So that's me and um, some of the officers of the Order of Asclepius. That was taken February 2020 when we received the 10 Accomplished Youth Organizations Award. Um, so uh, the, the award was for Project Kaleidoscope. Hmm. So Project Kaleidoscope is a youth mental health program which I founded in 2015 um, in partnership with the Global Shapers, Iluilo Hub, Order of Asclepius, and the uh, TOSP Victors. So, um, actually, we're going to talk more about yes. your pursuits and uh, Project Lightscope, uh, Mental Health for All, and Global Shapers, and uh, the Orders of Asclepius a little while later on. But uh, what did it feel for you to win an award like this? Uh, I was actually really uh, validated at that time. I felt really validated at that time that what we're doing on the ground actually has... Uh, some form of impact based on the evaluation of the judges. So we didn't actually intend to apply for awards when we started Project Kaleidoscope. Yeah. It just was you don't do it for the awards. Yes, you don't, you don't do it for the award. You do it because you serve a mission. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I felt validated and of course really happy that uh, we got the award. So um, other than Tayo, we also had uh, an award two years before that mm. for the same project. For the same project. All right, all right. So 
here's our next photo. Ah, okay. So that's uh, me doing Project Kaleidoscope when we launched, first launched. This that's is in 2015. 2015 uh, in Halandoni Memorial National High School. So actually, that's, that's actually the, the most fun exercise of Project Kaleidoscope where we um, show the students clips of famous uh, uh, Hugot lines. That we call that Hugot quiz. Mm where the students identify what the emotion of the actor is and uh, what's the meaning behind the emotion. So the, the reason behind that is we want the students to recognize better their emotions because once you recognize your emotions, you know better how to act on them. So it's to unpack the emotions that you have, to understand them. Yes. Ah. So you can recognize, understand, and then start evaluating yourself. Yes. Uh, so it's training them to think about how are you feeling at this point in time. Yes. Okay. Okay. This is uh, this was a, what a lot of people don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Is that uh, we met each other through Global Shapers. So this project was before I joined Global yes. Shapers. So it's actually really interesting to see the work that uh, you've done prior to me joining. Here's the next photo. Oh, that's an article I published in the Daily Guardian. Um, that's actually a speech I wrote for a commencement exercise of my high school alma mater, St. Paul's School Barota Viejo, where I talked about uh, the power of dreams. And um, it's, it's quite uh, nostalgic because um, in, in the place where I first dreamt in my high school, so you're from Barota? Yes, yes, Barota Viejo. That's also where I told them how, how my dreams were realized. And I was really thankful to the institution for inviting me. Oh, all right, all right. So when was this published? Um, I think 2019. 2019, oh. I, I was actually part of uh, I was working <laughs> on Daily Guardian already. And the last photo is maybe the one that you don't want people to see. Oh my goodness, <laughs> you, you didn't. <laughs> Oh, should I, I, I think this is my favorite photo. It's like I, I've always known you to be the very uh, uh, respectable <laughs> doctor, you know. Need but, I provide context for that? Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, the fact that you're doing this and you're wearing a barong, it's very interesting to me, right? No offense to the national costume of Filipinos, <laughs> but that photo was taken during the wedding reception of one of my best friends. Mm. So they actually invited a moving bar, and uh, so that person just comes and goes, and then uh, plunges you with alcohol using a 10cc syringe. <laughs> that is that was crazy. <laughs> I I vomited that night and was trapped. I, I was actually able to go home by myself during that night. Thankfully, I did not <laughs> sleep in someone else's room. But were you happy? Were you happy? At that time, of course. Ah. Yes. Okay, okay. So at this moment, moment in time, would you say that uh, you were living towards, uh, with your full potential, and activating <laughs> yourself? On the alcohol side, <laughs> yes. I, I, I only drink small amounts. Mm. During that time, I was, I was at my full. <laughs> All right. So then we're going to talk about the work that you actually do, well-being especially, yes. and uh, mental health for all project, and Project Kaleidoscope after the break.
how you change a world that doesn't want to change. Well, you start with what you have the power to change. Yourself. Go to where you can grow. Find your people. Surround yourself with people who introduce you to new perspectives. People that get you started working on your life's work, your identity, and your legacy. People who share your passions and inspirations and push you to dream more. The kind of people who also want to change the world. It does not matter if you're new to this or you've been around a while. What matters is your determination and purpose. And when you're done with the world today, you can start working on tomorrow. It's not just courage to change the world, it's encouragement to change for the world. Start with you. Start with us. Shape yourself. Shape the world. With the years that have come and gone, we've had so many stories to tell. It's Daily Guardian's 20th anniversary. You were with us as we faced the elements, took on challenges and difficulties. Together, we emerged from every struggle to bring you stories of triumph and defeat, stories of celebration and mourning, stories of hardship and overcoming them, stories about people, about humanity, and about life. And as the years continue to go by, it is in public service that we continue to deliver responsible journalism that has always been Daily Guardian's blood. Timely, objective, and honest. Stories that you deserve. Stories that matter. Serious news. Thank you for starting. Thank you for sharing your stories with us. Thank you for making us a part of your stories. Thank you for 20 years. Your stories are us. So welcome back to Coffeinated, where we're talking about happiness and trying to build a happier world. We're here today with Dr. Mitzrofia. So you founded recently WellBe. Tell us about that. So WellBe is your partner in workplace well-being. So we focus on providing uh, businesses or companies with uh, strategies and solutions to building a mental health, mental health workplace program or policy uh, in compliance with mandated laws like your, the Mental Health Act. Um, in the process, we cater to their, uh, to their employees' needs by looking at them, uh, assessing their mental status, and then providing them with continuous learning and continuous growth through our learning programs. So I saw in one of your graphics that it says, uh, this is an investment, not an expense. Why is that so? Exactly. So um, the, the reason why mental health has not been a priority in the workplace before is, is that the, the long-term gains are far to be seen. Yes. And they can't really appreciate what's happening now because behavior change uh, takes, takes time. 
But if you actually invest on building the mental health of your uh, employees, that translates to productivity. And according to one research, the return of investment is at 2.3 times. So it's actually a really an investment rather than an expense. And I guess loyalty too, right? Because the happier exactly. they are, the less that they want to go to other companies. Like I know a friend of mine, uh, one of our newest recruits here at Prometheus, uh, uh-huh. they actually left their workplace because they were not happy there. Yes. So I guess it's important to, to keep happy employees so that you can keep employees. Exactly. And uh, because a quarter of a person's life is devoted to work. Mm. And so do you want to suffer for the rest of that quarter? <laughs> of course not. Uh, you, you want a place where you can thrive, where you can grow. Uh, where you can reach your dreams and aspirations while remaining physically and mentally healthy. So what are some of the services that you offer and how do you necessarily work with your clients? Okay, so um, we have a 3Ds approach. Uh, so it's called uh, Discover, Develop, and Deliver. So we, uh, we go to our clients and then we discover what their concerns are or their areas of improvement through uh, reliable research methods. And then once we discover what the problem is, we co-create solutions with them. So in that process, we help them create a mental health policy or program, which will be in compliance with existing laws. And then for deliver, we help them implement and evaluate the progress of their programs. Aside from the from that 3D's uh, framework, we also give um, learning development, uh, learning development modules and seminars. So we give one-hour to three-hour talks and workshops to our clients. And uh, aside from that, we link them to a mental health referral network so that if the employer has some uh, issues with with employees with regards to his or her mental health, then he knows already where to link or to refer that employee to. That's actually a gap now because employers tend to not know how to proceed when a an employee has some mental health problem, issues. Yes. They don't know who to go to. They don't know the first thing that they're going to do. Yes. So it's also establishing a protocol exactly. for emergency situations right, like that. Right, 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 right. So what I'm hearing is that the process is very uh, uh, collaborative. Mm-hmm. It's not something like, uh, oh, we want this service. Like, unlike a mental, uh, not like dental, for example, Okay, then just go to, you know, he can go do cleaning, he can extract your tooth, like you can have specific services that they're just going to give you. Yours, actually, you have to work with the client to talk to them, figure out their needs, and then you can adjust based on their needs. You don't just give them a menu per se. Yes. Right. Why is that really important? Uh, It's important because, um, because of context. Certain organizations have different contextual factors affecting their employees or their, their growth as a business. So we have to be with the client to, to, uh, to really delve into the, to their situation for us to really understand and then recommend them solutions or co-create solutions with them. Co-create. So this is a human-centered approach. Mm. I actually like that term, co-create, because it, it's not just you offering the service, it's actually the client themselves working to make Yes. Things better for their employees and business. So you're not alone in this project, right? You're actually with uh, Kurs, who is also a coach, a life coach. Yes. 
Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm working with Kurs, so she's a professional coach. And just to add to our services, we offer coaching programs. So uh, we've, we've actually partnered with uh, a coaching company in Manila um, who's going to provide us with additional coaches should the demand go up. Mm, okay. um, so Kurs, again, as mentioned, is a coach. She's also the founder of Postpartum Heroes. It's a support group for mothers who are experiencing postpartum depression. And of course, you know her as the, mm, yes. the, as the curator as of curator, Global Shapers. Yes. Yes. All right. So, speaking of uh, global shapers, this is a perfect segue. Is that you've before Wellbe before you've uh, launched this organization to help businesses, and then uh, you've actually done a lot of work in trying to make the world a happier place. Even before all of this, like earlier we talked about Project Kaleidoscope, right? Now that project started with uh, as a partner Global Shapers, and then you've done work with uh, as Agubiani. Yes. Part of uh, the core team of Agubayani and then with a mental health for all project. Can you tell us about how uh, how important advocacy was work was for you in order to shape what well-be is today and uh, how you were able to find your path because you have just uh, started or you decided on specializing in psychiatry yes. this year, right? If I'm not mistaken. So how important was were these uh, works or projects before today to build who you're going to be in the future? Okay, so it started off first with realizing what my strengths uh, are. So I'm I find myself really good at listening, in uh, empathy, in uh, critical thinking, all that. Um, and I thought to myself, I can actually make use of these strengths and talents and skills in creating an advocacy. So at that time, in 2015, uh, the, more, the, the more pressing issues then were, of course, mental health. Um, there, were, there was a steady increase in suicide cases in 2015 in Western Visayas. And so I thought maybe this is where I could use my talents and skills. So I researched on it. Uh, I asked people uh, how to, to, to go about with an advocacy work. I asked for help from the Global Shapers, and then we came up with Project Kaleidoscope. And um, for the past five to six years, um, the program has been serving uh, the youth in, in the locality. And um, I was actually really happy with the result, so much so that I thought that maybe it's uh, time for me to, uh, to step out from uh, you know catering the youth to actually catering my age range, you know the the, the professional the the employee sector. So but you're still part of the youth, right? Yes, I mean, I, you're yes, 20, I am. I'm 28. You know, I'm still part of the youth. Don't yes. call me old. <laughs> uh, let me uh, rectify myself. From the students, <laughs> I'm no longer a student. I'm I'm already mm -hmm. an employee, and so I wanted to translate whatever good practices that I have reaped from doing Project Kaleidoscope into the workforce. So I and Kurs really, you know, thought about it and we came up with, with Wellbe. And um, that's, so Project Kaleidoscope and Wellbe came before my decision to, to pursue psychiatry. Just a sec, just a sec here. Yes. Sorry to interrupt, interrupt you, but is it Wellbe because it's short for well-being? Exactly. <laughs> Okay. Yes. 
Okay, so you know. Uh, so our yeah. So our name is good because you yeah. know what where the root word is from. Okay, so yeah. Um, the the my decision to pursue psychiatry was actually influenced by the, these advocacy works. Mm. Okay, so I thought to myself, why should I veer away from choosing a path that's already been laid out for me? Mm. So it seems like mental health has been a field where I was thriving. And so I thought to myself, to add uh, more credibility to, to what I advocate for, then I think psychiatry is the perfect place to be. But, you know, other than that, of course, uh, psychiatry, I've always been a curious mind. Mm. Um, I, I like, you know, uh, analyzing and uh, evaluating human behavior. Mm. I was really curious why this person did this. Why, why did you, for example, um, uh, buy that, that uh, jacket mm. or chose this brand of cell phone? So consumer psychology, all, all those stuff. I'm, I'm fascinated with mm. those ideas. And uh, psychiatry is where you can actually learn from it. Actually, uh, with Prometheus Productions, uh, that's a lot of what we do, right? And uh, I have a friend, a friend of mine, uh, Ting Perzuelo. She used to, there was this question that was asked. Uh, and it, the question was, what is marketing? If you're explaining it to someone who can't understand business or marketing mm-hmm. terms. And then she put it quite succinctly for me. She said, uh, marketing is profitable psychiatry. Or profitable psychology, and I thought like mm, the, I just remember that because the way you talked yes. about it, it kind of comes full circle for me. But uh, with uh, Wellbe and uh, with your pursuit of psychiatry now, was it an easy decision to make? Because mm-hmm. for for Western Visayas, not a lot of people actually go into psychiatry, yes. right? I mean, I've had a lot of friends who who uh, have become doctors, so I've seen their journey. Mm-hmm. So when they try to think about their specializations, there's uh, internal med, there's OB, things like that, surgery. So it's not, psychiatry is almost never mentioned. In fact, it's never been mentioned. Yes. The first time I heard it was with you. Yes. So is that, was that a difficult choice to make for you? Uh, to, to, be bl- to be blunt about it, psychiatry is one of the least lucrative specialties mm. in medicine. Okay, so uh, in internal medicine or surgery, you make money a lot, a lot. but in psychiatry, I don't think so. Um, but the reason for me why I chose this is because I'm passionate about it and I'm really interested in the field. Mm. Okay, it was not an easy decision for me because I had competing interests. I was actually also looking at uh, applying for internal medicine. Mm. Um, but then again... Uh, it's, it always goes down to what mission, what mission do you want to serve? So uh, my North Star, your why, my why, is to use my knowledge, talents, and skills to make myself and others happier. Hmm. And I think I can do that with psychiatry. All right, all right. Actually, I, there was a little thing that you mentioned earlier that I want to give uh, a little discussion on a little mm-hmm. highlight on you talked about you you felt that you were you had a lot of empathy and that gave you strength in pursuing psychology now uh, there's this american journalist and mm-hmm. author uh, elizabeth gilbert mm-hmm. who wrote the book eat pray love 
mm-hmm. and then they asked her about you know uh, uh, certain certain things that during this pandemic that we need, and then how people seem to not understand each other because there were not there was not enough empathy. Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert says that actually she feels that there is too much empathy in the world right now and that's why nobody can help each other because if we if i feel what you feel then i can't help you because we're both stuck in this emotion that we're both feeling but if we have compassion for each other i can only know what you're feeling i can understand what you're feeling but i'm not necessarily feeling what you're feeling so if there's compassion i can help you but if there's empathy we're both just yes feeling the same yes. but that is not true to tell the audience mm. that empathy is not needed yes yes okay so. um i think we've read the same thing no <laughs> <laughs> because um yeah what we need more nowadays is compassion mm. because compassion is empathy plus action yes empathy plus action yes, yes. so we we have to exert we, Uh, effort we have to be really intentional in helping other people mm. and uh, i've seen a lot of compassionate work uh, to in in uh, in fairness during this, these times of the mm. pandemic for one uh, global shapers uh, were part of it right mm. so we did a lot of campaigns uh, intended to help our kababayans uh, you know with with the pandemic and we and the global shapers actually won a lot of awards yes. for it yes Exactly. So we, what we're doing, what we were doing before was we raised funds for our frontliners, and then we launched Mental Health for All. And the Mental Health for All project won three national awards. Yes. Uh, as one of the, I think the best uh, mental health campaigns mm-hmm. in uh, in the nation. Yes. For 2019 and 2020. Yes. And the funny thing was that uh, Mental Health for All. Uh, Daily Guardian was part of it, one mm-hmm. of its partners. In fact, was the platform for Mental Health for All. Mm-hmm. We also entered the uh, uh, Globe Media Excellence Awards as because we thought this was a nationally acclaimed by experts uh, project. Uh-huh. So we tried it as for Advocacy of the Year award, and we lost for some reason. They just probably missed your application. <laughs> <laughs> Or lost the application. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna move on this to- from this topic because now I'm uh, feeling I'm not becoming happier. So, uh, what are what are few things we can try to do right now to be happier? Since I'm not feeling happy at this moment in time. <laughs> so, um, happiness can be found. Can be found. Happiness can be learned. So, it's actually a skill. It can also be a skill. So, so it's not it's, it's not it's just an a, emotion that suddenly you just feel at a certain point yes. in time. It's something you can, can also do. view it as a skill. So there are certain things that we can do to to build our happiness. So habits actually, uh, when once we form happy habits, we become happier. We 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 nurture our well being. So one of them um, is you know mindfulness. Where we get in tune with our emotions, with our feelings, with our sensations, because on a on a busy day, um, like for for example, for employees, um, the the busyness of the day takes away the the richness of the experience because they're thinking a lot of things, 
So they're on autopilot mode. Mm. And once you're in there, you're, you're not actually noticing the good things. The, the other uh, practice that we teach in well-being project kaleidoscope is gratitude. Mm. So it's an exercise that we can do on a daily basis because once you become grateful, um, you you amplify the goodness around you rather than concentrate on what what uh, what the what bad thing happened mm. during the day. And so in in the process of being grateful you actually open yourself up to a lot of positive emotions. And positive emotions tend to build and broaden. So there's actually a, a theory about positive emotions. It's called broaden and build theory. Because Elsid, uh, let me ask you, when do you make good decisions? During times when you're happy or when you're angry? I o I'm always angry. <laughs> <laughs> or so you thought. <laughs> I'd say neither. I don't make. I don't think I make good decisions when I'm at a, a height of emotion. But uh, I'd say I make. I'm more focused. I believe when mm -hmm. I'm angry, I'm more focused. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I can just focus on one thing, and then I can try to look at all the all mm -hmm. the outcomes from it. So I'm not sure. No, I'd say I can make decisions better when I'm angry. Wow. Well, yeah. well, that probably that that's because you you know how to channel the emotion yeah, the into, emotion, into yeah. something more productive. But according to the theory, we make better decisions, right decisions, when we're in a state of positive emotion. We become okay. curious when we're in a state of happiness and in a place of happiness. The thing for me is that uh, when I become happy mm -hmm. or elated or something like that, I get overly excited. So I mm -hmm. I tend to not think about a, a little better. Oh, maybe that's the that's where you can improve yourself on mm. on on emotion regulation. Mm, okay, okay, uh, so, uh, and that's something we teach also in Project Kaleidoscope, emotion mm. regulation. So, if, are you trying to like you know uh, analyze if uh, how you could help me <laughs> like right now? Is this, is this how how well be works? Is this here's like... my calling card. <laughs> <laughs> But actually, I have thought about it because there have been a, a lot of, uh, uh, I, I mean, mental health has uh, thankfully been given a little bit more of highlighting yes. uh, in recent years. And the stigma is a little bit broken by people who are victims themselves. One of my best friends and our senior copywriter at Prometheus Productions, uh, Ray uh, Palmares, he actually has a bipolar disorder and he's very open about it. Uh, right now he's taking a break. Uh, we allow him to take breaks so that he can deal with his own uh, emotions. A lot of it is as a as a business owner, as a leader. Mm -hmm. When I look at them and then they tell me that they have these issues or problems with themselves that they're thinking about right now, I don't know what to do. I only tell them, okay, do you, you want some time off to think about it? Do you want some time off to rest? It's like I don't have any ready set solutions that mm -hmm. I can give them at that point in time. So I am, in fact, considering uh, well-be mm -hmm. because at this point in time, I'm giving it so much thought as to because if they're plowing through their phases, right? If you have bipolar disorder, you have a depressive and a manic phase. I learned this from Ray. So if he's, he's in his depressive phase, it feels like he's just crawling, he's just walking through mud as he's working, right? So the things he, the, the work that he gives me is full of mud. That's mm -hmm. the way I look yes. at it. 
So how can I help him, you know, rise up from the mud and try to uh, be more productive and work in a way that his phases don't affect the outcome? So that in that way that I'm looking at it, perhaps Wellbe can help us with ready set, uh, not ready set solutions, but with uh, solutions that can cater to the way that uh, our workforce or our culture exists. Yes, but I'd like to commend you, Sid, no, because what you what you've actually done for Ray is provide him with psychological safety mm. where he can open up mm. uh, about his problems. And so, uh, because of that, you were able to recommend that he he can take a leave and you know process what he's going through. Um, but there should be a next step to that. So, uh, what we in Wellbe provide is a mental health referral network where you can actually uh, link your employee employee to either a counselor, a psychologist, psychiatrist, or a coach. Uh, because uh, obviously these services are not available in all companies mm. and you have to outsource uh, them. And we in Wellbe, we can provide you with that ready solution mm. access. Okay, okay. So, and the thing about uh, uh, positive theory earlier, right? Something that I also would like to highlight is that uh, I read this book, I don't remember where it's from, mm -hmm. but uh, it uh, the human emotions, the human mind, uh, they say it's like a spotlight. So this spotlight is uh, the way that you work with it is. You can feel something. There, there are several elements inside your mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you're feeling an emotion intensely, this emotion takes up the spotlight because it boxes all other emotions out. So if you have full control over your own mind and you've trained it well enough, like you said, it was a skill, you can at certain points in time just feel the emotion and then let it pass. And then you have the spotlight, you know, the spotlight passes through that emotion and then goes on to the other emotions. So I don't know if that's actually true or if you can actually learn how to do that. What Kobe has taught me is that uh, when he walks through certain emotions, his nervousness, his fear, his anger, he feels it, just feels it. He unpacks it. Why am I angry? Why am I sad? Why am I nervous? Then once he gets to the, he breaks it down to its smallest form and then he resolves that smallest form, which then resolves the entire emotion itself. So I don't know if that's the exact same thing or if that's uh, uh, scientifically uh, speaking the right way to go about it. Yeah, you can, you can look at it from that perspective and uh, uh, that's actually right. Um, but a prerequisite to doing that is first you have to know what the emotion is. Mm. So a lot of us... This is the recognizing part. Yes. A lot of us don't have a rich emotional vocabulary. Mm. We, we tend to experience a thing and then we, we don't really mind what we're experiencing. And because of that, we don't know how to respond appropriately. So after recognition comes the regulation part. And there has to be a pause in between. Mm -hmm. So the pause is very important because it, it, uh, it gives you that time to think uh, what the emotion is and what the emotion is telling you so that it will have an, a, an effect on what action you'll do. Okay, so uh, the way that I'd like to challenge this theory about your positive, uh, uh, what was it? Positive, positive emotions. Positive emotions. 
how does this differ from uh, toxic positivity? Because mm-hmm. toxic positivity, for example, people are like, you know, good vibes only, no bad vibes here, you know, like always things like that. How does that differ? Okay, so positive emotions is something subjective. Yes, within yourself. Within yourself. Toxic positivity happens when another person tries mm. to invalidate your feelings. So mm. let me give you an example. So can you can we can we do a some sort of a skit? Can you tell me if you that you have a, you're having a problem now, Sid? Okay, so uh, doctor, good morning. <laughs> okay, just talk to me as a friend. Okay. Like doctor, Mitz, good morning. <laughs> Uh, I'm having a problem right now. I'm uh, my girl gone, Don left me, <laughs> and I'm feeling really sad. And I'm I don't know what to do. It's just uh, I don't know how to feel, and I think uh, my thoughts are betraying me. You know, shit. You can't get over it. Just oh. pray. You know, just be positive. So it's like if I'm having a panic attack, and you just tell me, you know, just calm down. Now, do that again. And then I'll rep- I'll reply with uh, another in another way. Okay. So uh, amidst, uh, I'm so sad right now. It's I don't know what to do. It just feels like the world is stupid, and I just wanna leave the earth. You said I think you're you must be having a bad day, or uh, you're experiencing some uh, negative emotions at the moment. Uh, how can I help? Hmm. So which do you think is the better response? Just be positive, Sid. You'll get over it. The second one, because uh, it's actually, it feels like I'm heard. It feels like I'm heard. Yes. It feels like there's actually somebody who's with me rather than just uh, ignoring whatever it is that I'm feeling. So the toxic in toxic positivity is the lack of support, mm. validation, and affirmation mm, from okay. the one uh, who's speaking, right? So... Um, a lot of us tend to respond this way, unfortunately. So it's, I think it has become the norm. As uh, Filipinos are known to be resilient, resilient. It, it, it came to a point where we don't know how to respond appropriately because we automatically attribute the person to be, you know, to be strong, to be resilient and all that. But uh, the consequence with this kind of norm or this kind of uh, communication style is that the person who's actually experiencing uh, an uncomfortable or unpleasant emotion does not feel supported. Okay. Although the intention of that person saying the toxic, you know, it's statements, tried, oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's not in his intention. And, um, it, it's like he sees a fire and he's trying to extinguish the fire of your emotion by saying, you know, yes, just stamp it, stamp on it. Just but it's actually, it. you know, putting more fire to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So the intention is good, it's just the execution yes. is bad. Huh, that's actually quite interesting. Because uh, as a person, normally you just don't know what to do mm-hmm. when somebody comes to you with sadness. Because your immediate reaction is, well, I'm, try- I'm going to cheer this person up. I'm going to make them happy. So you try to say whatever it is to make them happy. Why is that wrong for us to think that way, that we're going to cheer this person up? Yeah, because uh, when the, the automatic response is like that, uh, the person might not feel... So how do we help this person? Okay, so first you communicate what the emotion he's trying to say. Mm. You, you try to process it in your mind. To help him recognize it. Help him recognize and uh, explicitly tell what, what, you, what you're actually interpreting the emotion to be. So um, if the person is you know, saying hurt feelings, then you say, 
um, I think um, you must be experiencing a lot of hurt now. Mm. And then try to offer what you can do. If not, you can just actually continue on listening. If you, if you don't know anything, if you don't know what, how to help this person, actually listening to that person empathetically is actually helpful. Mm. Okay, okay, okay. So, it's actually just uh, be with this person. Yes, more than be anything. with this person. Experience it through him. Don't try to rush his feelings. Yes. Don't try to push him away from it. Right. So, I'm ac- I've actually learned a lot about mental health today. I learned a lot about mental health today. And I learned that uh, uh, I should try to be a lot more happy. <laughs> it's just so I just realized that I'm angry all the time. I'm angry all the time. So, there are two questions that we always ask people on Coffee Nated, all our guests. So, the first question is, what does a regular day, just a regular day, look like for you? Uh, I wake up at 7 and then drink my coffee. That's the first thing I usually <laughs> do. Uh, brew my coffee, coffee nated. And then uh, take a bath and report to work. If I'm not at work... Uh, at the hospital? If, yeah, if I'm not in the hospital, what I'll do if I'm at home, if I'm in Barota, um, I'll drink my coffee and then pet my dog. <laughs> uh, but if I'm in the city, if I'm not working, um, I usually... Uh, study or or if not i attend um webinars courtesy of the department actually the petting your dog thing it, it, it reminded me of something like uh, a lot of the things that we feel are a lot of the things that lead to deteriorating mental health like as we mentioned earlier it's a battle of attrition mm-hmm. so the resilience part of it is uh, at that point in time we're holding up the earth we're atlas mm-hmm. but we can't be atlas forever and then the longer that you hold up the earth and you ignore, you relieve the load, the more that your body will start to deteriorate under yes. the pressure. So the, is it the small things like petting the dog thing, yes. is that also part of your, you know, to take care of your... Yes, <laughs> it, yes because it, it takes your mind off, you know, negative stuff or stressful things. Um, and you actually build positive emotions with that. So it should, we, should, we should look at our mind as a muscle then. Mm-hmm. And then when you mm-hmm. de-stress, it doesn't it because when you build the muscle, you always contract. Mm-hmm. So when you de-stress, it relieves, it stretches out, something like that. Mm-hmm. So rest, rest. Okay. So what are three key takeaways that you can give to our uh, listeners and our viewers out there? So one is there is no health without mental health. Mm-hmm. So please, please take care of your mental health. Don't be shy or overcome the, the fear or the stigma uh, about mental health. I know it's easier said than done, but recognizing that your mental health matters is the first step into overcoming that personal stigma you have, you have attributed to the term. Uh, second is find time to commune with yourself uh, by you know, uh, practicing mindfulness, gratitude, by um, resting when necessary. And then third is, please don't be toxic positive. (laughs) Learn to respond empathetically. Um, So in this uh, segment, we have actually uh, discussed that. You can actually learn from it um, online on how to respond uh, the right way. Because more than ever, uh, we need empathetic persons who can 
you know, provide also action. And that leads me to em be empathetic and be compassionate. Okay. So first is, there is no health without mental health. Yes. Second is, uh, learn to... Uh, what was that? Commune with Commune yourself. with yourself. Yes. Yeah, I thought like learn to live with yourself, but okay. Learn to commune with yourself. And the last thing is uh, don't be... Don't make your positivity toxic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Thank you so much, Doc Mitz, for being with us today and teaching me personally about mental health. And if you want, if uh, any of our viewers out there want to avail of Wellbe, Doc Mitz, I'm sure uh, we'll tag them in the show notes below and in the caption of this video. So at least you can reach out to him if you have need of any of his services. So thank you again so much. And hopefully, hopefully we can build a happier world. Thank you, Sid. Thank you, guys. With all that I've learned today, I'll do my best to hone the skill of making myself happy. Let's all put a greater premium on our own mental health and building a happier and healthier world. Wellbe's contact details will be in the description below and in the show notes. Coffeinated is on Daily Guardian's official Facebook page every other Wednesday. It's also on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you can get your podcast. This episode was produced by Prometheus Productions. I'm El Cid, and we are at Courtyard by Marriott Iliilo. We'll catch you again next time on Coffeinated, so keep living life one coffee mug at a time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching.